My title this morning of my sermon is David's Giant Killer. And incidentally, I believe what I've just said represents a giant in someone's life. My text is the first book of Samuel, chapter 17, verses 1 through 49. For some reason, I seem to be settling in the NIV the last few sermons. It's easy reading. It's not displayed because I'm not looking at all the verses. I'm only having selected verses between 1 and 49 to highlight my, my sermon. But please follow me in your, your Bibles and in your phone apps. In the meantime, please pray with me as I do every time I preach. I, I seek God's anointing on, on my words, but these are his thoughts. So dear God, this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen? Amen. You know, the Valley of Elah is a long, shallow valley in Israel near the West Bank. I don't expect most of you to recognize this valley. In our text for Samuel 17, excuse me, 1 to 3, we read, now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sokah in Judah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. The valley of Elah is the scene of one of the most famous battles that is described in the Old Testament. What makes it so interesting is that it was not fought between two armies, but fought between two people. You know, people, even people who don't know anything about the Bible, or perhaps seldom read it, know about these people in the battle, because it was fought between David and Goliath. Now, I know it's a very important story, and it is one that the author wanted me wanted us to make sure we never forgot. I know that because of the space that was given to it. It consists of 58 verses. It is one of the longest chapters of the Bible. It uses 912 Hebrew words, and it is one of the most detailed descriptions of any battle that you will find in Scripture You know, we're told about the historical location. We are told about the military weapons. We are even told about the size of one of the combatants. The author of this story wanted us to make sure it would stick to our soul. The sermon is about the greatest king who ever lived. His name was David. He remains one of the most honored kings in Israel. See, the symbol of the nation of Israel is the star of David. In this sermon, we're going to be learning tremendous life lessons from this king. This is kind of like the Christmas story. It's one you don't really have to go over much because everybody knows it. And whether you're a kid or an adult, you never really get tired of hearing it. It has a Hollywood written all over it. You have this huge giant that would make the Hulk look like a punk fighting a man, not fighting a man, but a boy. David is 15 years old. He doesn't even have a driver's license. 
He can't drive his daddy's chariot yet. That is not the picture of David that most people have. You know, if you go to Florence, Italy, to the Academia Gallery, you will see what is perhaps the most famous statue in all the world, Michelangelo's David. It is a towering presence, 14 feet tall from head to toe. But the real David was the smallest, youngest child in his family. From outside, not very impressive. But on the inside, he is described like no one else in the Bible. He was a man after God's own heart. And I believe this story captures why this was David's finest hour. This was his MVP moment, and that put him in the major league of life. And we can learn from him not only how we can be one after God's own heart, but we can live in such a way that we bring a smile to the face of God. And not only that, but we can face the giants and the challenges and the problems of life. So consider in your outline first to be focused on God's presence. You know, at the beginning of this story, Israel is fighting the Philistines, their most hated enemy. The Philistines were on one side of the valley and the Israelites were on the other side. And the Israelites had a giant of a problem. And the problem was a giant. The author wanted us to know just how big this giant was because he gives us the most detailed description of a soldier and warrior found anywhere in the Bible. 1 Samuel 17, 4-7 states, A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale, armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield barrier went ahead of him. He's called champion, which is the only time anyone has ever called that in the Bible. It literally means a man between two armies. Nine feet, nine inches tall. He wore a bronze t-shirt that weighed 175 pounds and carried a spear whose head weighed 25 pounds. And he had challenged Israel to a one-on-one, winner-take-all match, mano y mano. And this had been going on for almost six weeks. But nobody volunteered. Our text, verses 23 and 24, states... Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. And then we are told in verse 25 how the king had even tried to bribe someone to fight Goliath. Verse 25 states, Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give him great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt this family from taxes in Israel. The man who would kill this giant 
would instantly be a man of fortune, fame, and even part of the king's family. But every day it seemed like the entire army had a headache. And I'm reminded of a little boy who was playing in the garage. And his dad was telling his friend about a recent argument that he had with his wife, the boy's mother. He said, John, I let her know exactly where I stood. I told her how things were going to be around this house, and I was the boss. The next thing I know, she's crawling toward me on her hands and knees. And about that time, the little boy piped up and said, Daddy, is that when Mommy told you to get out from underneath the bed and fight like a man? Well, here in the valley of Elah, nobody was coming out from under the bed. The king wouldn't fight. The generals wouldn't fight. The commanders wouldn't fight. The soldiers wouldn't fight because they all focused on the giant. And then David showed up. He had been sent by his dad to take some food to his brothers and to bring back news on how the war was going. Then David sizes up the situation and we hear the first words that have ever been recorded in Scripture. Our text, 1 Samuel 17, 26, says, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? This is the first time that God is even mentioned. You see, everybody else was focused on the giant what had the army been saying for almost six weeks? Again, 1 Samuel 17, 25. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? In other words, they kept saying, see how much bigger he is than we are. And David says, don't you know how much bigger God is than he is? Everybody else is looking at the giant. But David is looking at God. Listen to this. When you face a problem you think you can't solve, an obstacle you think you can't get over, a giant you think you can't defeat, fear will focus on the giant. But faith will focus on God. You know, if you read this entire story, you will find that David only mentions Goliath two times. Once, there is something about Goliath, and two, something to Goliath. And both times he calls them with disdain and uncircumcised Philistine. Do you know how many times David mentions God? Ten. David talked about God five times more than he talked about the giant. We usually reverse that ratio. God wasn't on their radar screen. But God filled David's radar screen. If you want to be someone after God's own heart, then the next time you face that challenge, that problem, that difficulty, that giant, you need to be focused on God's presence. God is with you. Second thing to consider in your outline is to be fearless in God's power. 
The good news is there is finally an Israelite who is willing to go out and face this giant and fight this giant. The bad news is it's not a hardened, battle-tested soldier. It is an inexperienced, teenaged shepherd. He has never held a sword. He has never had a shield, and he has never worn a helmet. This is the first time he's ever even seen a battlefield, much less been on one. Why was David ready to run to the fight when everybody else was wanting to run from the fight? Here's the answer. Our text, 1 Samuel 17, 33 to 37. It states, Saul replied, You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from his mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. That is incredible. That it took a shepherd boy to remind a king and an army of just how powerful God is. Do you know why we fear our giants? Or why we worry too much? Or why we quit too easily or run too quickly? It's because we forget what we ought to remember and we remember what we ought to forget. We magnify the giant, the giant that is before us, and we minimize the God that is within us. You know, God has given us three kinds of sight. Hindsight, insight, and foresight. We have the ability to look backwards, to look inward, and to look forward. The right hindsight will give you the proper insight to have confidence in your foresight. That is why David could face the present and be unafraid of the future is because of what he remembered from the past. With his bare hands and a stick, he had killed a bear and he had killed a lion. He realized even then it wasn't because of his strength, but because of God's power. If you remember what God has done for you yesterday, you will believe what he can do for you today. And you will be confident in what he will do for you tomorrow. See, David remembered what everybody else had forgotten. David believed in what everybody else doubted. Listen carefully. When you see the God that others don't, you will do for God that others won't. What David realized was that there is only one giant in life. It isn't a giant. It is the giant. Fear. Yes, that trial, that trouble, that temptation, that tribulation that you may be facing may look like a giant, may sound like a giant, may feel like a giant, but there is only one giant. 
fear. Fear will say, look how much bigger of a giant than I is before me. Faith will say, look how much smaller the giant is than my God. Well, at last, the scene is set. A semblance of the fight is going to take place. And you've heard the quote, a rumble in the jungle. Well, this is the rally in the valley. Everybody is placing their bets. Who's betting on David? Not the Philistines. Not the Israelites. Not David's brothers. Not even David's king. Everybody's putting their money on Goliath. David is putting everything on God. David knew something. When you bet on God, you always win. That is why we should always be fearless in God's power because it doesn't matter who is against you if God is with you. Third, consider your outline and be fervent for God's praise. Well, here we go again. One thing that both sides were convinced of was this fight was not going to be a very long one. This was a tornado that was about to take down a toothpick, an 18-wheeler that was about to run over a minibike, a bulldog that was about to eat a toy poodle. The Philistines couldn't wait, and the Israelites couldn't watch. The Philistines had their cell phones taking pictures, and the Israelites had their face masks on, covering their eyes. Everybody was wondering, what will David's last words be? Well, they weren't his last, but they were some of his best. First Samuel 17, 45 to 47 states, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it was not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. David wants everybody to know this is not about him. This is about God. He's not doing this for fame or fortune. He's doing it for the glory of God. Fighting in the name of God, he will be delivered by the power of God. The battle is not his, but God's. <clears throat> we sang, the battle belongs to the Lord. What may be the most famous story in the Bible, I believe is the most misunderstood. It is not a story about a giant, but a story about the giant, fear. This is not a story about a boy who killed the giant for God. It's about the God who killed the giant for the boy. This is not a story about the giants that we face. It is a story about the God who faces our giants. Think about it. You've got a giant wearing bulletproof vests 
Kevlar helmet, steel-nosed boots, and his sword is taller than David. His shield weighs more than David. And all that David has is five rocks and a slingshot. Be honest. Who would you have betted on? Well, that is why Hollywood made the movie. 1 Samuel 17, 48 to 49 states, <coughs> As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell down, face down on the ground. Remember David's very last words? 1 Samuel 17, 47, David said, For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you all into our hands. Again, listen. David was not fighting for God. God was fighting for David. David wasn't fighting God's battle. God was fighting David's battle. Let me let you in on a little secret. That fight was fixed. Goliath never had a chance because he didn't know he wasn't fighting David. He was fighting God. David didn't kill Goliath for God. God killed Goliath through David. David got the victory. but God got the glory. God got the praise. God got the honor. That is all David cared about. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. Now, don't miss this. For the rest of his life, did David ever brag about killing Goliath? Did he autograph his psalms and his books and sign them, David GGK, great giant killer? David fought that giant for this reason. 1 Samuel 17, 46. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. God, David focused on God's presence. He was fearless in God's power and he was fervent in God's praise. That brings us to an even deeper truth. This story is not about a little shepherd that beat a big giant. It is not primarily a story about David or Goliath or even you and me. It is a story about God. David wants us to know that there is a God that saves, a God that delivers, there is a God that rescues. You see, this is not a story about a shepherd. It is a story about a Savior. It's a story about Jesus. Let me explain. Have you ever thought about the fact that David was born in Bethlehem? And so was Jesus. David was a shepherd. Jesus called himself the good shepherd. The giant taunted Israel twice a day for how many days? Forty. Jesus was tempted and taunted by the devil for how many days? Forty days. The only one who could face the giant that day was David the ancestor of Jesus. The only one who could face Satan was Jesus, the son of David. 
1,000 years later, Jesus would face two giants, Satan and sin. He too would kneel down in prayer before the battle. But instead of picking up a stone, he picked up a cross. Where David lived, Jesus died. But where David later died, Jesus rose from the dead, never to die again. The first David needed God to defeat his giant foe. The second David was God who has defeated our giants for us. The first David never shed a a drop of blood and never got a scratch on his body. The second David shed his blood and was bruised and battered beyond recognition. The first David died into dust. The second David died and came back from the grave never to die again. Because of him, we don't have to run from any giant. We can run to any giant because we have a God with us, a God who is for us, and a God who is bigger than any giant. Amen? So now we're approaching communion. I'd like to call it the Bread of Life communion service. Take the emblems in front of you and open the bread portion. Amen. I invite you this morning to this table. In the name of the one who said, I am the bread of life. This is the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is here that we remember how he gave his body and his blood to save us. The word tells us, on the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us even unto death. Send your spirit upon us so that we may know that all who eat and drink at this table in our congregation and around the world are one body, one holy people. Amen. Take, eat, the bread of life, Jesus' body given for you. Amen? Scripture tells us that after, after the supper, Jesus took the cup of wine. And after giving thanks, gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink it, remember me. Let's drink. Amen. Well, let us pray as we close. We pray, dear Lord, that we can see as Jesus sees, that we can hear as Jesus hears, that we can speak with the mouth of Jesus, that we can feel the world as Jesus feels, that we will taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Now we worship in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit so that with the true God, I want us to all go out this week nourished by the bread and the blood of life. Amen. I'll see you all next week. Pastor Bob is up and he will present another of his excellent sermons. Amen. Amen. See you.